Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Popture podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopture. Hello, all our listeners to a very... Big, um, uh, I just scream real loudly. <laughs> Open with the jump scare. Hello and welcome to a very spooky, freaky episode of Film Franchise Fortnite on the Cold Popshire Podcast, joining you just in time for All Hallows Eve, Halloween, Halloween. I was never allowed to celebrate Halloween growing up. Well, you- yeah, still known as an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the way we celebrate it here at, at the Cold Pops Podcast. We're usually on the show, um, Richard and myself, AJ, we will watch and discuss an entire film franchise, as you know. But similar to what we did for Christmas uh, uh, last year, where we um, contacted three of our fans and covered a two film Christmas franchise with each of them and released it as one like big package episode we thought we'd do the same thing this year for halloween so welcome to the film franchise Fortnite's freaky fan fiasco when you said welcome to i'm sure it didn't pick up on your on the recording but your recording just like glitched out and the volume like tripled <laughs> and it was that, that happened before genuinely the, terrifying yeah that, that happened from your end before which is, is quite now you, you know We've each experienced the same oh terrifying oh, electronic phenomenon. Oh my god, phenomenon. it's following us! Oh my god! So, on this episode, you are going to hear three mini-episodes of Film Franchise Fortnites talking about two film franchises. And you're going to hear three different fans, all who support us on Patreon, which is sort of a way that we can thank our Patreons, our patrons, what, like one national holiday at a time, by not randomly selecting, but mm. selecting... Uh, people to come and talk with us so if you are a patron if we do this again in the future you could be up for that and if you're not a patron but you want to do a podcast with us then jump on the motherfucking yeah, band I, I can't think of other like f- franchises or other holidays that we I can think of three unless we did Valentine's Day yeah that, I've thought of Valentine's Day but you know what stops me from wanting to do Valentine's Day is I can't think of a word starting with F that yeah. would start that would go before fan fiasco except for that one except for like fucking fan fiasco but that's that doesn't get to the heart of what valentine's day is yeah Hmm. so we are going to if you if you've got an an f word that means romantic drop it down um we are going to be covering um three different uh franchises on this episode and those franchises are we're going to be covering um the 28 days and 28 weeks later series um, so I've decided just now that'll be the first one you hear. <laughs> uh, and that will be with one of our patrons, Kate Pickworth-Smith, uh, who lives here in Christchurch and is a dear friend of mine. Um, and Richard, what is the second franchise that we're going to be talking about? Uh, it'll be 
an American werewolf in London and Paris with mm. uh, a, a patron whose real name you might not know, but I'm sure you've heard the name Maisol Mise or Maisol Mise, as it was pronounced for over a year. Uh, but mm-hmm. her name is Sarah Velling. Um, yep. She was someone who we got to speak to for the first time uh, doing this. That's cool. Yeah, and that that was really fun. And the last franchise you hear us talk about on this episode will be Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, who which we recorded with Brianna McZant. Brianna McZant, Brianna McZant. Pick one. <laughs> Pick a pronunciation. Yeah. Um and so we'll be covering that last on this episode. Uh there will be a musical interlude between each franchise. So you know won't. when we're covering a new one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so Richard, uh we'll be back at the end to announce the the first post Halloween film franchise. Um so stay tuned for that at the end. And on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay, so here we are. This is actually going to be our first segment of Freaky Fan Fiasco. Oh man, I had all these plans, these callbacks planned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's the last one we've recorded though, for some reason we decided to do it that way. What actually happened was, is that whenever we did, when we did the other two, I think we made references to, like, implying that that wasn't the first one. Uh. And so this one has to be the first one. Right? Yeah, okay. Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, we're here with, with Kate. How are you, Kate? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I already asked that. Yeah, you did. I'm as nervous as you are, Kate. Look at me. Richard, say hi to Kate. I, how, hi. Hi, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kate is one of our patrons, and she is here to talk with us about the two 28 days slash weeks later films. And All why right. are we doing these films with Kate? Because... It's, I don't know. Why are we doing these? Because ones? twenty-eight ones? rhymes with Kate. That was our. Oh, oh really? That I was our. That. We were trying. We we decided on the franchises we wanted to do, and the three people, and we're like, okay, how do we decide which one to do with which? And I was like, well, twenty-eight rhymes with Kate, and they're like, sweet, lock oh, that natural. one in. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, twenty-eight days later, um, it it, it came out in two thousand two, and it was directed by Danny Boyle, and the film is also written by Alex Garland who would later go on to direct Annihilation, Ex Machina. He wrote The Beach, the the, the novel that The Beach movie was based off. And the movie um, as well, didn't he? I did too, yeah, that's right. That's a weird way to... That's a weird part of, of that fact that I know. Is, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, which, when... Like, I always knew of Alex Garland as the guy who wrote 28 Days Later, so it's funny to see... Um, you know, now he's now he's got his own stuff. And what do you guys think that Twenty Eight Days Later has on Rotten Tomatoes? Any guesses? Uh, Twenty Eight. Okay. I I was gonna say like ninety. Yeah, no, actually, high. can I change mine to eighty two? It's eighty six. So <laughs> nice. somewhere in between what you both said. Um, and that's the magic of Rotten Tomatoes. I think is that everyone, whenever you hear the score, you're like, oh yeah. Unless you vehemently disagree with it, and then you're like, "What? Um, what, Kate, a, what, what a sick tangent! <laughs> what is what is Twenty Eight Days Later about?" Um, so it starts off with um, 
these like environmentalists who break into a lab and release these monkeys. Apart from the monkeys are infected with this virus mm-hmm. and so they start killing each other. And then it cuts to this guy just laying naked in hospital. Yep. <laughs> and then he starts wandering around London and it's completely deserted. And then he gets attacked and finds these people. And yeah, it turns out the world's been devastated by this virus. And he, they meet more survivors along the way and mm-hmm. go and try to find this this supposed safe haven where the military is. Yeah. But then it turns out that the military is actually filled with evil rapist men who want women to continue the world. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good summation. So it's it is it's a zombie movie. Um, Danny Boyle, uh, you know, ever the the auteur he is likes to refer it to refer to it as a zombie movie where there's no zombies because technically. Uh, they're infected. They they are not dead, which is a prerequisite to be a zombie, as you are the undead. Uh, so these mm. the zombies in Twenty Eight Days Later aren't dead, uh, aren't the uh, yeah they aren't dead. So technically not yeah, zombies. That's kind of like Danny Boyle's thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like um uh yeah. So uh, Twenty Eight Days Later is a zombie movie without any zombies. Uh, One hundred twenty seven hours is like an adventure movie where the main character can't move. Exactly. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of examples yeah. like that. How yeah. he describes his films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, there, there are a, a lot of people who seem to think 28 Days Later is the first case of fast zombies in fiction. Apparently, Return of the Living Dead did it first, but that came out in like the 80s, and then no one did it until 28 Days Later. Um, and it, But it is credited with with kicking off the the zombie trend that we are now still reinvigorating it yeah 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 that's a good way of putting it. he didn't kick it off but he it was the first one of the first if not the first uh zombie f- mainstream zombie film of the new millennium um so that was followed five years later uh with 28 weeks later directed by juan carlos fresnadillo 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 uh what do we think that has on ron tomatoes like 70 yeah i was gonna say 72 71 (laughs) the difference very good guys richard what's 28 weeks later about uh so 28 weeks later uh we pick up um like some amount of time after the first film um Mm -hmm. i can't recall how long um (laughs) and it's like nearly 30 weeks i think (laughs) yeah something like that (laughs) um and so now the there's like safe zones essentially where the the virus has all but been wiped out kind of thing. Um, well, because an interesting thing that we haven't mentioned yet is it was contained to England. It was contained to Britain. Yeah. Which is the, the kind of a, the reveal at the end of 28 Days Later is that it's only England that's infected. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, now they... they, they most most parts of the, the country, the... the um, virus is all but wiped out but then uh it's discovered that there are like carriers of the virus that mm-hmm. essentially uh they they at first they think they might be immune to it but they realize that they're actually um they still have the virus and can pass it on but it just doesn't affect them um and then um 
Yes, this whole thing with like again, there's like a group of survivors, and this time the U.S. Army's involved as well. Yeah, we've it's got, kind um, of the. It's, it's a weirdly like star-studded cast as well of but, people but, who are but, just about to be famous. Yeah, exactly. Right, they were all they're all about to be famous. Like we're talking Idris Elba, Rose Byrne, um, who else? Is Imogen there? Poots, Jeremy Imogen Renner. Poots, Jeremy Renner. Yeah. This was my first Jeremy Renner movie that I ever saw. Yeah, I remember describing him to my friend who was a real big fan of Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, that he looked like Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age mixed with Nathan Fillion. And that was my, like, cool observation when I was 14. I was like, this is what he looks like. And and she once scolded me because I kept saying that whenever Jeremy Renner would enter conversation. Um, Yeah, and and even 28 Days Later kind of has a similar thing. Like, you've got Naomi Harris, Brendan Brendan Gleeson was probably already somewhat Yeah, I think Brendan Gleeson and Christopher Eccleston were kind of... Yeah, uh, uh, already known at the time. Um, and then there's Killian Murphy as well, plays Jim in Twenty Eight Days Later, who's now a relatively household name, Fa- famous enough to get his own um, what is it, GQ iconic characters video. <laughs> um, so there you go. Um, I think the- <laughs> then there's also Hannah from Twenty Eight Days Later, who seemingly dropped off the map after the film, and I didn't look into it, but she's not famous. Um. Yeah, so 28 weeks later, it follows the group of survivors, one of which is, like, the potential, you know, immune child who is the, that could create a vaccine for the infection. Um, And they're being followed by their now zombified dad, who in the end bites the son, infecting him, but because he's a carrier, he he doesn't turn into a zombie. Uh, But then they leave England, and the last shot of the film shows that because of that, now the infection is in Paris of, you know, potentially the rest of the world. Sweet. All right, so 28 Days Later, I think, might be the first time since we covered Back to the Future back in 2016 that we've talked about one of my favorite films of all time. Like, 28 Days Later, when I first started getting into films, 28 Days Later was, like, one I recalled seeing when when I was younger. I was like, I've got to watch that again. I loved I love this movie so much. And, Richard, you'd never seen it before. That is correct. And I can't wait for you to be like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what did you guys think of the film? Kate, Kate, what was your favorite, and what do you think of them in general? I well, I really like them both. For me, I think I actually wound up seeing Twenty Eight Weeks Later first when I was a teenager. My sister and I we used to watch horror movies together all the time, so it's quite a nostalgic thing for me. Mm. And I ended up having when I was younger a reoccurring nightmare. You know, in the film when he um, at the beginning he busts out of the house and sprinting across the field towards mm. the boat, and you see the shot of this like like a little hill and suddenly all these zombies just start flowing over it. It's, it's so good with communicating how close they are to him. Yeah. Like the spatial distance between them is like, they could catch you, dude. They're yeah, so close exactly. to Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that just haunted my dreams for weeks and weeks. Mm. Um, but I think on the rewatch, I definitely prefer 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. I think the the pacing and it's so fascinating the way it like holds that tension and slowly builds that you don't even notice that the music's there until your heart's thumping in your yeah, chest man. along with it yeah so i definitely think i prefer that one nice yeah. what do you think richard yeah um it's interesting uh going into like one of those movies where you think about what you thought of the movie beforehand and then what you kind of know of it afterwards um because uh so obviously the iconic opening well it's not 
the, the opening opening of the film, but the, the one of the early scenes when he's walking around a deserted London, and I'm sure we'll go into how they filmed that because that's like one of those famous pieces of film yeah. trivia, and it's so interesting, and it's and it's so effective. Um, and then after that finished, and then he meets the new people. I was like. Actually, I have no idea what this film is about. Like, it's one of those films where I just assumed that I'm like, oh, yeah, I know most of the plot of 28 Days Later. Um, mm. And so, yeah, it was quite interesting. I, I like the... Um, but one thing I really like is the characterization of the of the infected. Um, because, mm. like, we've seen fast zombies in other movies, like, say, um, uh, like World War Z. Mm-hmm. And that that's a film where you really get the sense that they're zombies, they're undead. Um, whereas uh, in 28 Days Later, uh, in, in this series, I quite like that the rage virus seems to be like, you're still human, but you, you uh, above everything else, want to kill. Yeah, you, mm. you even hear at one point Jim, who's Killian Murphy's character, um, he kills a zombie like kid and as as the scene cuts you hear the kid say i hate you like it's because mm. the i i would I'd, I'd need to research this again i didn't beforehand but i remember when i watched like binge watched all the special features for these movies back when i was a teenager um the way that they made the sounds of the of the infected is they basically got people to swear heaps they got them to do a bunch of expletives and then they chopped it up so it's not in order so you're hearing mm. like like if someone yeah. screams like fuck you you're hearing like you know so it's like That's awesome. a scrambled up version so i think the the i hate you from the kid is a piece of unbroken audio that got through that scrambling that they didn't they just didn't bother to change and it kind of adds to it it kind of makes it yeah because because there is still some humanity in a way like Mm. it's um especially like the way some of the ways they kill as well is like this is you want to and you actually are trying to inflict pain on this person this isn't for uh this isn't for your own gain it's the only thing you're gaining out of this is is how much you love killing and inflicting pain on other people whereas um like traditional zombies are like um, they just have one goal and that's to eat and then it just happens to be humans. Yeah. Um, whereas it's like, I actually want to hurt people. Um, but yeah, so so that, that was one thing that I, I actually really enjoyed because I, growing up, I, I maybe this is why I avoided watching watching the film for so long, is that I, I went through a phase of being like a real zombie purist. Um, mm-hmm. me, and, me and my mate would, um, uh, they, you know, they, when you could get like 10 for $10 movies or like five for $5 or whatever it was out from the video store, we would, um, yeah, we'd just get like five, 10 zombie movies. So I've seen some weird, obscure zombie movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's not even a, a genre I would say that I particularly, you know, like or love or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it was just like a fun thing we did for a while. And, um whenever there was fast zombies we were like oh they're not real zombies kind of thing you know um mm. uh, but i i like like um like danny boyle says they're not they're not zombies they're infected it's not a zombie movie what are you yeah. you know fine exactly that's what danny boyle's response would be to that right if you're yeah. like zombies don't run he's like okay fine they're not zombies <laughs> yeah and then yeah the second film uh yeah i I've, i kind of thought they were mostly on par um there's some weird there's some weird issues especially in the third act of weeks where it's Mm. um it gets quite a bit um um 
like some of the editing's really choppy and it just kind of like i get the effect they're going for but it is quite hard to watch at, at times yeah. um and not in the way of like oh that's so well made i I'm, it's doing what it's supposed to do it's just like what the fuck is going on like <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's that's me nice so obviously um i prefer the first film but i do really like parts of 28 weeks later and i think it takes it i, th- I think it takes a, like a sequel as mildly inferior as weeks to highlight what's so good about days like sure yeah th- when i talk about why i don't like weeks i'm constantly referring to days why well, no, it's not that i don't like it i just think it's inferior um for example i love that days follows a group of nobodies they're not important they're they're just survivors they're you and me you know um mm. whereas weeks like ups the ante by making it the most important child in the world as a, as a main character you know mm. and, and it's it's about the story of infection as opposed to the story of these people who are stuck in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also think weeks weeks is a very Americanized movie. Yeah, not, sure. not only because there's American characters, but it was co-financed by, um, by America. Um, and, uh, days not only feels completely submerged in British characters and culture, but it's also filmed in a way yeah. that resembles a home video more. Yeah. I, like I, a Hollywood blockbuster. blockbuster. I, yeah, yeah. I think that like, cause I, I, I believe that the choice of camera, it was mm. mainly to, because of these sh- scenes where they're having to like stop traffic for a moment, then run yeah. and get the shot that they, it's like a camcorder almost that they could just yeah. quickly run in and do it rather than having to like, lug um, film in but it, it looks like um it look yeah it, it it looks like spaced or something like that well one of those yes, kind of exactly. early 2000s yeah. um british british sitcoms and so yeah that kind of or like, like the opening scene when he wakes up in the hospital i was watching it with jess um who is the backbone of my life and i said <laughs> um that you'll get that joke later on when in the podcast another, another um, kate laughed anyways so I did, it, just I did. Said, it just worked i thought it was really cute <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's cuter when it when it originates so oh. just yeah. hold your breath for that <laughs> but i um i the, the the scene when he wakes up and i was like y- you could tell me this was life on mars or something you know mm. like one of those shows those like that that yeah. weird era of shows that I like don't really know that much about, but I can kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, conflate what that, yeah, yeah. I and I like that you. It's hard to find like a good quality version of Twenty Eight Days Later, mm. you know, like because it looks like it's filmed in four eighty p for a lot of it. It feels so gritty, um, and real, um, and I really like that. Mm. So, um, as as we've talked about a little bit, um. 28 Days Later will be the first of two films we will discuss on Freaky Fan Fiasco this episode, <laughs> um, in which production shut down Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> because in, in American Werewolf in London, they also shut down Piccadilly Circus to film. Uh, but the production for 28 Days Later also famously shut down other parts of an otherwise bustling London city, including Westminster Bridge, Horse Guards Parade, and Oxford Street. Um, during the scene towards the beginning of the film where Killian Murphy's Jim wakes up from his coma 28 days after the infection breaks out and wanders through the deserted streets trying to figure out what is going on. What a scene that is, man. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. One of my so um, good. my favorite bits of trivia about that that I've read before is, so there's a bit where they have to shut down like the motorway. And so they did it like, as far as I know, did it by like um, slowly stopping traffic until 
and uh, they had enough and then they had like they had one minute gaps to shoot it kind of thing um but they were like oh fuck how are we going to do this so what they did is they got like uh, attractive young women to um you know like attractive girls in like their 20s um to be the ones to say hey we're just um filming because you just wait here for a minute and they were like yeah yeah sure sure thing because <laughs> you know some guy in a high vis vest comes along uh with his pot belly and or whatever and a clipboard um mm. you know you, you tell them to fuck off you've got to get to work <laughs> yeah 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 and um, they also upturned a bus for one shot where you see an upturned bus and then reset the bus in 20 minutes yeah. to get like a, a five second shot it's an amazing scene um yeah and i would say it's the best scene in the film except for the third act of 28 days later when jim escapes the soldiers loses his shirt it starts raining and he's like no nah, i'm gonna go save selena and hannah and he turns into essentially a zombie to go back and get them oh my god i love that scene yeah. so much i oh. i love Killian Murphy is such good casting specifically for that scene because he looks <laughs> so sinister. Yeah. He looks like an alien um, and he's emulating the zombies them- themselves, you know, and I love the, after he kills everyone, he like gouges this guy's eyes out um, and then uh, Selena like nearly, nearly kills him, but then she stops and he's like, that was more than a heartbeat because that's a reference to something she said at the start of the film. Oh, I love this film so much. Um, and then they start kissing and he's covered in blood and it's gross. It's fucking gross. And there's like undeniably blood getting on Selena, you know, and it's, but I love that this horrific sight of someone covered in blood kissing someone else is like, that's the guy you're rooting for. You're rooting for the guy covered in blood who looks like <laughs> a monster and who has just gouged out someone's eyes. It's such a cool, cool scene. What did you guys think? Oh yeah. Like when he, goes after the soldiers and like oh the commander turns around and then the, the other soldiers just sitting dead in like the mm. jeep and you just seen him on the roof in this like a second ago and you're like how did he get there yeah it's just oh it's so uh, he becomes the, the 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 nightmare of the story he's, yeah. he's, he becomes the zombie essentially mm. it's i so am legend cool. yeah um, <laughs> there you go yeah so, um, famously as well, 28 Days Later has a few alternate endings. Did you know about this, Richard? I know you knew about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah about I, it. I did not. It's got a famous, because I mean, it's pretty famous. Yeah, yeah, pretty famous. Um, <laughs> so, in all, so there's three big ones that are, that that have been. Um, two of them were filmed, and one of them was just storyboarded. Uh, and all of them, Jim dies. So, in the actual ending, um, they escape. He gets shot by Christopher Eccleston before they kill him, and then it cuts to 28 days later, and Jim wakes up and he's healed from his wounds, and they're making a sign to try and alert a, a jet flying overhead that they're okay. Um, so Jim dies in all of these alternate endings, presumably from the wounds. Um, that Christopher Eccleston gives him because he like shoots him in the stomach, which is a hard <laughs> wound to come back from in a post-apocalyptic society. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, essentially, that that you see it briefly, uh, like a quick montage after he gets shot of them in the hospital. The this this other the two alternate endings where he where he dies in this way is. One is just he dies and then Celia and Hannah like leave the hospital and the other one is the same thing, but then it does that scene at the end where they make the sign crying for help, but Jim's not there. 
So it's right. Solaire and Hannah finding happy ending. Um, but the third unfilmed uh, alternate ending is fucking wild. So <laughs> it departs dramatically after Frank gets infected. So another great scene in this film, the fourth kind of one of the survivors kicks a fence to try to get a crow to leave a, a corpse and a drop of blood falls in his eye and that's how he gets infected. It's, it's so tragic. Mm. Um, so after that happens... Uh, the, they don't find the soldiers, but they do keep Frank alive. And then they meet a scientist and it ends with Jim deciding to give, like to do a blood transfusion with the help of the scientist and give all his blood to Frank because they have the same blood type uh, so that Frank's infected blood will be rid. You know, he won't be infected anymore. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, this was never filmed. Uh, and the creative team decided against it because how do you scrape every drop of blood from someone's veins? Like, <laughs> like if one drop of blood can turn you infected, yeah. it's not worth a do- try- trying to do a transfusion. That probably isn't going to work. Um, so that was never filmed. So, yeah. Um, uh, and- sorry, can I just ask as well, as just while I think about it, as a um, 28 fan, um yeah. I always heard, is there a reference to Jim and them, what happened to them in 28 weeks later? Not that I'm aware of, but there are a few other things in which he's referenced. Yeah, because I I always, I I had a vague memory of like, you hear a radio thing. Maybe you you do. And I mean, yeah, this is like, it could be a completely different movie, but um, yeah, they were on a boat or something that I have a vague recollection of there being like a radio broadcast where you're told that they're on a boat. But this is like me remembering a piece of trivia <laughs> about a film I'd never seen. I don't um, know, yeah. yeah. I'll need to look that up, um, maybe. But anyway, um, so Jim dying in all of these alternate endings is kind of indicative of Boyle and Garland, who both wanted Jim to end the film where he begins in a hospital. You know, mm. it's supposed to be like this poetic ending. Uh, they both prefer the alternate ending, saying, referring to Jim dying as the true ending. What do you guys think? Should have put it in the film then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you prefer it? Do you prefer the idea of Jim dying or do you like that he survives? I mean, I just I like that he survives just because I liked him. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. How do you feel, Kate? Oh, see, I don't, like, don't get me wrong. I do like Jim. Yeah. But I don't mind the idea of him dying. Yeah. And, like, even, like, don't get me wrong, I love men. But, like, the destruction (laughs) of masculinity and rage is a concept. I think it's quite cool. So then, you know, the future with, yeah, being women. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. I've watched this movie a hundred times, and then when we watched it the other night and you commented that it's, like, a a comment on, on, like, rage and masculinity yeah. i was like i've never heard this before yeah so do you want to do you want to expand upon that at all is there any more to it then well yeah because it, it kind of this like, is what you study i should say by the way yeah like, yeah it's like, true i study yeah femininity masculinity as constructs just the film that's all i've ever done <laughs> one film my whole life um yeah because especially with the military men and they're like the extreme masculinity that they're engaged with and the idea that you know, they want women to mm. rape and yeah. like to like bear them children, and that's they their, are the infected. Yeah, essentially, exactly, in, in and ways, that's yeah. their idea of a future is you know mm. the not well, yeah, enslavement of women. Yeah. So instead, like the commentary of the complete destruction of men and women rising up is yeah. To, so to so re-populate. by Jim dying, it 
it uh, completes their thesis statement. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I've, I that does somewhat um, make it more attractive to me yeah. as a concept. I see Jim dying as like a regression of the the themes of like isolation and uh, what is essential to humanity yeah. because the conversation between him and Selena through the whole movie is how he's like, you know, we need each other. And yeah. she's like, I only need myself. Yeah. And then she changes and it's kind of, it's incorrect then. She, she's incorrect for changing if Jim does die. Um, anyway. But that's, but that's one of the things I love about horror movies is like the risk that anyone yeah. could die. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, everyone's yeah. up and for I, grabs and that's. Yeah. Yeah. I actually felt, I actually felt that in the, in these movies as well. Um, because uh, yeah, a lot of movies. I mean, even though you know you feel like Jim is as safe as the, as the protagonist, at least until the end of the film. Yeah, there, there was quite a few times when, especially with the other characters, like the the, the core group, you mm. do feel like they could die at any time. They do kill off mm. some people at surprising times as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's true. So, um, on twenty eight weeks later, Danny Boyle, who served as a producer, um, said this about its conception. Uh, we were quite taken aback by the phenomenal success of the first film, particularly in America. We saw it as an opportunity to make a second film that already has a built-in audience. We thought it'd be a great idea to try and satisfy that audience again. Now, doesn't that just encapsulate what feels off about 28 Weeks Later? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Made for an American audience. It's real gung-ho. You could tell straight away as well when, like, the civilians were breaking through and, and there were um, zombies in them and suddenly the Americans were like, just kill them all! And yeah, you're yeah. like, <laughs> American. <laughs> yeah. Um, even just the, the presence of American characters. It's the presence of American characters and it's the fact that it's filmed a lot more traditionally than... 28 days later, mm. they just make it feel more Hollywood. Um, but I also think the storytelling is just a bit dumber. <laughs> um, there's a couple of like gaudy exposition dumps in the dialogue where they're like, right at the start, they're like, oh, can you imagine if we hadn't sent our kids away on a school trip? And it's like, thank you. Um, <laughs> and there's plot contrivances like Tammy and Andy, the, the two kids who are the main characters in the film, they're able to escape the quarantine zone real easily. And it's one of those movies where eventually disaster strikes because characters are just real dumb, <laughs> you know. Andy, throughout the whole movie, I'm just like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you running away?" Yeah, yeah. It's just the bane of my yeah. existence. <laughs> and what's frustrating is like what I like about Twenty Eight Days Later is I like every character in it for whatever reason, yeah. except maybe Hannah, who's kind of a pretty crap actress yeah, in the film as well. I was real if you that. listen to the DVD commentary of 28 Days Later when Hannah comes into the film, um you hear Danny Boyle and whoever else is on the commentary try and like put it nicely that they, yeah. they realize afterwards that she's not the greatest actress. <laughs> um <laughs> and with this um I I really like Rose Rose Byrne's character. I really like Jeremy Renner's character. I really like Robert Carlyle. I don't like his, him as a person, but his presence in the film at the start, he um, chooses to run away instead of save his wife, and that kind of that's like a killing the cat moment that hangs over his character yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. movie, and then he becomes a, a zombie. Um, but the characters of Tammy and Andy are so uninteresting. Mm. They're, they're your classic annoying kids from a jurassic park movie kind of <laughs> thing you know um yeah i do like imogen poots though yeah yeah did, did you like her in this specifically uh oh, i mean she's fine yeah it's more andy that's the annoying the annoying yeah, one yeah. the kids younger they get stupid. um so yeah i do i do really like the opening scene of this movie uh which uh, where robert carlisle ditches his wife it's it's a great 
welcome back to the world and it's it, and and when i said with 28 days later how i would say that that first big scene is the best scene until the climactic scene this is the best scene in 28 weeks later is where it where it begins mm. um, and i don't yeah. think it, it quite reaches those heights ultimately though it kind of feels like a film that spends too much this, i'm just going to read verbatim what i'm trying to do without trying to dress up my voice at all ultimately <laughs> it kind of feels like the film spends too much time in the first half setting things up and then really quickly wraps things up and kills off all the cool, cool characters just as things are getting interesting you know, mm. Jeremy Renner's death That's is like, crime. it's, it's, he's such a hero. <laughs> he's such a cool character. Oh. And then when he dies, you're like, oh, this must be the end of the movie. Yeah. I forgot that he died <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I thought he was going to make it. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and, I'm then, like, oh. and then Rose Byrne dies as well. And yeah. you're like, oh shit. Okay. We definitely are uh, wrapping things up now. And I really like those characters and I really like how it's a, it's a converging storyline kind of movie as well. Um, and it almost feels like it would be better suited to a TV show than a movie which brings us to continue the franchise, franchise. Really. all right so the series has been continued on already in a couple of ways including a graphic novel which i bought once when i was 16 uh called 28 days later the aftermath um, and look at you now look i sold <laughs> you sell out. Um, there's also a comic series which i had to read online because i couldn't find physical copies of it uh, and i read that when i was like 18 i'm um, just called 28 days later uh, both of which take place in between the two sequels aftermath follows a completely different collection of characters um, while the comic series follows a now solo selena uh, with Jim and Hannah absent and her entire character development from the first film reset. Like she's she's chapter one Selena the whole time. <laughs> I've read both of them years and years ago. I don't remember a lot about them, but I remember not liking either of them that much. Nice. There, I remember there is a frame in a flashback in the 28 Days Later comic series where you see Jim, you see Jim, Selena and, and Hannah. And I from memory, they like get picked up after the events of the first film, but then they get caught, caught up in so much um, immigration kind of shit that they get split up for whatever reason. And I, from memory, it heavily implies that Jim's dead. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so rumblings of 28 months later have been going since the release of weeks. And I remember feeling in high school, like 28 months later, uh, the dark Knight rises and the world's end were the three movies I'd never see. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they were the three third parts of a, of a beloved series that I loved. I didn't know the dark Knight rises was called the dark Knight rises at the time, but the world's end title dropped real early, like yeah. years before that film came out. Yeah. And I remember just thinking like, man, these are the movies that my favorite directors have always said that they might do, but they probably never will. Uh, it has been so long since the last one of those came out, which was The World's End in like 2013. Uh, and 28 months later, still still never came out. Um, every five or six years, though, it feels like Danny Boyle or Alex Garland make vague statements about it being in, in production. Uh, plot details have never been revealed, with Boyle stating that if they gave out any plot details, those ideas would end up in The Walking Dead. Ha. Ha. Uh, Take that, Robert Kirkman, you fat idiot. <laughs> <laughs> in 2015, Garland stated that months would be the likely sequel over years, as there are more places you can go with that story. Uh, the most recent update was in June of this year, when Boyle confirmed that he and Garland had recently met to discuss and begin preparation on a third film. Ooh. I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Um, Kate, what's your continue the franchise? Okay. 
on the back of you saying that 28 years later is not a good idea. I'm going to go with 28 years later. Well, no, it's, it's not, not a good idea. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I do think you need months first, though, surely, yeah. just for the... Oh, see, I thought months is a bit predictable. Okay, okay. so I'm going right, to go with 28 okay. years later. Okay, so yeah. the world has been completely, like, devastated by the virus, mm-hmm. and, like, except for there has been a vaccine created. Yeah. So it's slowly, like, people are repopulating and that kind of thing. Except for the huge issue is that there has been a mass rise in Diane's and Tracy's who right. are into their crystals and herbs and <laughs> anti-vaxxing their children. Oh, so, my God. Oh, God. That's such a good idea. So all of a sudden now there's all these children who aren't vaccinated going around kissing children who have been yes. vaccinated and immunized with, or, yeah. with the virus. Yeah, and so it devastates the world again. It's an anti-vax case study. It's a a, a cautionary tale. I love it. That's so good. 28 years later. Awesome. Richard, what's your idea? Uh, Well, can I hear your idea first? Because I've got two and I'll go either way, depending on what yours is. Okay. So my dream for 28 months later, um, I I want to bring Jim back. And Selena. I don't care about Hannah. Um, And while, like, every, every, you know, the, the comics... And and the the vibe I get in the alternate endings, um, everyone seems to really want Jim to be dead. But I really love Killian Murphy, and I really think Jim is what makes that first film so special. At least one of the things, and he'd be the connective tissue that would make it feel like it's the third part of a series instead of just another zombie movie. You know, how is it a sequel if it's, yeah, yeah. if it doesn't have the same characters? Yeah. Like, why why specify it's twenty eight months later if you're not going to bring back? the characters or the reasons we loved um, the first film. Uh, that being said, as I hinted before, I am kind of intrigued to see what this world would look like in a TV show. Um, yeah. Like all the actors are kind of, you can get them for a TV show. Like, <laughs> you know, you can get Kill- Killian Murphy's and Peaky Blinders at the moment. Naomi yeah, although he does look a, significantly older these days. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I, I just want to explore more of the world uh, and more of un- unimportant nobody survivors. But in a TV show, it would it would feel more forgivable to them be like, and here are the really important characters who are on their way to to stopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to multiple storylines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd want to recreate the tone and style of the original and potentially just even call it 28 Days Later um, or 28 Minutes Later. And maybe that's the length of each episode. Nice. Maybe the episodes take place in real time and as, as a series of 28-minute increments to a larger story. That's cool. <laughs> nice. That's very cool. Um, okay. So I have – I've always had to kind of – 28 Days Later is one of those franchises I'm weirdly invested in um, despite having never seen the films. You know, yeah. I always wanted there to be a 28 months later. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because just because I like the titles and, and things like that and I wanted to see where they would go with it. But um, – I think one thing that's like important for a twenty-eight day twenty-eight sequel is mm. um, I like that they follow the virus in a way. Um, mm. I remember we, you and I were watching a Cinefix video together, and I had, I had no idea what anything um, about twenty-eight weeks was later. What later was about, and um, they said it was like a an, an unconventional sequel, mm. and I remember you having quite a panic attack um quite loudly um about that where i could i couldn't hear the you know the next 10 15 seconds of the video um and i was like oh like that there must be such a mistake like if it's got the main characters back it follows the storyline and you're like no it doesn't have any of that i'm like well okay then i don't give you a problem with this. but um because it is an unconventional sequel it's, it's following a, a theme or a setting um rather yeah, than yeah. any characters but um i yeah I, I think that it's cool to just see society in these different places and who we're 
following is kind of incidental. Um, so you're, you're so almost the, pitching the opposite to what I I said. Yeah, in a way. that's yeah. cool. Though. Yeah, the, I, like I when like you said, it. "Oh, we need to go back to Jim to feel like the third part of series." I I completely disagree. I think Not going cool. back to Jim makes twenty out weeks an odd one out. Mm, that's um, a good point. Yeah. But so I, the ones I would like to see, are, you kind of hinted at it at 28 minutes later. I'd like to see um, 28 seconds later. Oh, yeah. um, immediately, well, not immediately, 28 seconds later, after the outbreak, um, we kind of see a little bit of the start. And maybe, you know, the story's not super interesting. That's why they haven't made it. But um, the, the waking up in a hospital, um, you know, Walking Dead and 28 Days Later both use it. And they came out in the same year, the, the original comic of... I think of, of Walking Dead. Um, the they actually a lot of zombie movies either use the it's not important how it started or oh you you're we all with a character who missed the start of it. Um, even Fear the Walking Dead, which was billed as being like um, you you'll get to see the outbreak, did a time jump very early on, mm-hmm. um, and it's like yeah, I, I'd like to see the that initial oh shit what's happening because we see in 28 days like newspaper clippings Mm. of all the stuff that happened but it's like you know let's see society trying to move on when this is like spreading spreading um and then uh on the flip side of that uh, i'm with kate in that i quite like the idea of doing um 28 years going like further into the future than 28 months because i feel like Weeks to months isn't, you know, not super new. But, um, I, how, give me 28,000 years later. <laughs> 28 decades later. 28, yeah. 28 millennia later. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I would love to see a world, yeah, like, t- yeah, 28 centuries later, um, is a good one where it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, give us so far into the future that, like, Maybe the maybe the the population's completely died out. Maybe England's completely uninhabitable, um, and just just see society when there was this super violent event um, generations earlier that culled a massive part of the population. Cool. Yeah, and it's all because of bloody animal rights activists. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so those are my two ideas. Very cool. Very nice. Um, sweet. Well, that probably brings us to the end of our conversation about one of my favourite films of all time and its sequel. Um, Kate, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is there anything you would like to plug or promote while you're here? No. That's all good. You don't have to. I don't. You can just plug Cole Popshire if you yeah, want. Yeah, check out Cole Popshire. Check us out on Facebook, oh. on Instagram, um, on Twitter. Yes. You can email us. Join the What's Patreon. What's the email? What's the email address? Culpopshire at gmail.com. What? What's Culpopshire Media at gmail.com? Oh, <laughs> How often the have I said that? The amount of times I've heard it as well. Oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be going on to the next part of this episode right now. Hell yeah. All right. Hello, everybody. Um, and we are here with one of our favorite and, and oldest fans. Not oldest in terms of how old she is, but oldest in terms of someone who's who's stuck it out through the the not-so-great years of Colt Popshire into <laughs> the maybe-all-right years of Colt Popshire. How are you going, Sarah? <laughs> Good. Enjoying it every cool. minute. <laughs> Sarah, or as, as listeners of our show might more commonly hear you referred to as 
Maisolmes, is that correct? Yes. Am I saying it right? <laughs> you are. Yeah. Or they've probably more commonly heard Maisolmese. Yeah, Maisolmese, as we, for some reason, assumed. No one gets it right. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much for, you know, having me. Thanks. All good. So, we're going to be talking about uh, an American werewolf in London and a, an, an American werewolf in paris um there wasn't too much thought into the fact that you're american and getting you on an america but i don't know it, it can work if, if you want it to work no there definitely was sure yeah <laughs> have you ever been to to london or paris i've been to london not paris are you a, a mm. werewolf it's, not last time i checked yeah. all right when was last time you checked was it since the last full moon because you might need to check again That's true. yeah i haven't been bitten lately i think chances are good that i'm safe <laughs> Okay. Right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll check back in in a in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first film, An American Werewolf in London, came out in 1981, and it was directed by John Landis. Uh, you do you guys want to take guesses as to what An American Werewolf in London has on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, Sarah, do you want to go first? I think it was higher rated than the first one. Oh God, like this is the first one. <sighs> 45 or sorry second one uh 45 percent okay richard any guesses um i think it's like a horror classic so i'm gonna guess around like 75 to 80 it is 87 percent yeah so pretty pretty highly rated and richard or uh mace or or sarah what what should we call (laughs) you now talking to you in person it's much more concise sweet uh (laughs) richard what is an american werewolf in london about so two backpackers David and Jack, uh, backpacking through the UK uh, when they're attacked by what appears to be some kind of wolf. Uh, Jack gets killed and David is injured. He wakes up in a hospital uh, a few weeks later with little memory of what happened. Uh, His buddy Dave, uh, who's now dead and a ghost, uh, visits him a few times and explains that Jack's now a werewolf. The ghost friend tells him to kill himself um uh because he'll be he'll be he'll be forced to be a ghost until the bloodline of the werewolf that killed him is you know gone so then um yeah david is eventually discharged from the hospital and he moves in with uh the nurse that had the hots for him um eventually he does transform into a werewolf and, and quite a cool, I would say, um, transformation scene with lots of like practical effects. It's mm. quite, it's quite mm. fun. Um, and then, uh, so he kills people and then he tries to turn himself in, uh, but the bobbies, that's the, what yes. they call the cops, Ooh. um, don't believe him. Uh, eventually he transforms again in an adult movie theater and begins another <laughs> rampage before being shot and killed, dying in front, in his human form in front of, uh, the nurse, Alex. Yeah. Thank you for a very succinct um, and th- but <laughs> thorough <laughs> explanation of the film. Um, have you written a synopsis for the second one, Richard? Uh, I have, but if um, old Ms. Velling wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, An American Wealth in Paris came out in 1997, which how many years later is that? 16. It's 16, damn. Too many. <laughs> that was that was directed by Anthony Waller. What do we think that has on Ron Tomatoes? Um I know this is like a famously bad like sub ten, I think, Ron Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Is it, is it like 5%? It is 7%. Um, <sighs> and if you want to give it a go, you can try tell us what it's about, Sarah. Oh, God. So a couple of bros, three three dudes are headed to Paris. <laughs> They're on a, uh, I can't, uh, what, they called it like the Daredevil tour or something like that. And yeah. uh, one of them's like, I'm going to jump off the Eiffel Tower as a surprise. But a girl tries to jump off. He jumps off after her. He saves her life because he's got his bungee cord on. Does his friends somehow stop him from <laughs> dying by holding it? And um, yeah. he falls in love with this girl he just met. She ends up being a werewolf. He gets involved in her family drama. Um, chaos ensues. And uh, the, yeah. the werewolves of Paris want to kill Americans. And Yeah, yeah. so the, the, the main guy becomes a werewolf from hanging out with this girl one of their friends is Mm -hmm. killed and it's the same sort of thing as the first one where um his dead friend keeps revisiting him and telling him that he needs to kill and eat the heart of of like the werewolf that made him a werewolf or something like that so Mm -hmm. yeah if if he eats the heart of the werewolf that bit him it will cure him of his werewolfness and then also killing that werewolf by doing that will let his buddies like go free yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, I love like Sarah that. how you started that because I'd written down an explanation, and the first thing I'd written was some bros are doing some sightseeing. <laughs> <laughs> they're, I think they're self-described douchebags. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, which of these films was your favorite? There's a very clear critical consensus, but <laughs> you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion, no matter how unpopular that opinion may be. Uh, what do you guys think? What's your favorites? Um. While I very much enjoyed the first one a lot more, um, yeah, I thought the first one was cool. It was, it was like a simple, um, like the, the effects were cool, and it's just like a fun, cool 80s movie. And then, uh, the second one has probably more in common with something like Queen of the Damned than, um, mm. the first film, and it was just kind yeah. of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> interesting okay sarah what did what were your thoughts i also like the first one more just because i think it was a better movie it was weirdly mm-hmm. paced and i mean it ended so i don't i don't like the ending i've got problems with the ending so uh mm. and it was there was no nothing was ever explained like those nazi mm. goblins in his dream just weren't important at all and <laughs> i kept waiting for that to come back and the second one the, they go into more in depth in the world, like there's more mm. things explained, but it's it's also poorly made. So <laughs> yeah, uh, uh. yeah, they're both very strange movies. I thought they both had a lot of like, because I I I in a way I'm very impressed that they had both like ghost zombies in a movie about werewolves, which you know maybe doesn't mm-hmm. need to have more than one like monster kind of thing in it um but even then like the world building is so strange the um it, <laughs> when in the first one when uh dave gets bitten and he's like lying there semi-unconscious on the ground he looks over and he sees it and a naked old man lying next to him mm-hmm. and it wasn't until i looked it up that i understood that that's the werewolf having who's just got him transforming back into a <laughs> into a human and so the whole movie i was like why did he hallucinate an old <laughs> naked man lying next to him but yeah so i i'm not gonna say i thought that thought paris was better than london 
but I go. thought Paris was great. I, I really enjoyed but I thought the the way they they extrapolated and built upon the lore and the mythology was perfectly valid and it reminded me a bit of how everyone acts like Ghostbusters 2 is some like travesty of a sequel when it's I don't know I think it's it's fine it's, yeah it's good yeah so I don't know I didn't think there was I certainly didn't think there was an 80 percent drop in quality as <laughs> the critics would indicate uh between the two films. Um, and I liked that, like, the first one is, like, you've got to kill yourself so that you end the line so that me and all the other people you go, who you've killed can go, to, can pass on to the other side. And in Paris, it's, like, there's a few more factors in play around that that same idea. So, like, mm-hmm. he does kill someone who wants him to die a, as a ghost, and she keeps trying to, you know, lure him into oncoming traffic <laughs> and stuff like that, which was really cool. And he also f- finds out at some point that he has to kill um, the woman he's in love with, who's a werewolf. And it's, you know, they, yeah. I don't know. And, I just thought they, they like took those. there's, like, a drug that accelerates the transformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then adrenaline stops that. Yeah. So they start living yeah. adrenaline-fueled 90s lives together. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys enjoy when Smash Mouth started playing in Fuck, an American yes. Werewolf in Paris? <laughs> All the music yeah. in these movies is so appropriate, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just great. so on the nose. you got, like, Bad Moon Rising in um, Oh, my God, that was so good. I the, love that. My her. major grievance with the first movie is, though, that the whole time I was waiting for Werewolves of London to play. I was about to say that, right? yeah. And I was yeah. expecting yeah. it, and I was hoping, and then the the ending like credits played, and I was like, this would have been the perfect moment. Instead, they played their third edition, like third variation of Blue Moon, instead of Werewolves Blue of London. Moon. I don't. Yeah. It was a less yeah. popular song than than uh, Bad Moon Rising, so it's not like it was more expensive. But yeah, <sighs> I I just assumed that um like Werewolves of London was written for the movie or something like that. Like it it wasn't. It came out before. That- yeah, I'm I just so assumed angry. that the two were linked or something, but no, they have nothing to do with each other. Well, that's an interesting point to bring up because what was you? Did you guys know much about these movies before watching them? No. Um, I'd seen the transformation sequence before, and so I knew it was like, yeah, and, and like I said, I knew I think that like that it was like this eighties uh, horror classic and with a terrible sequel kind of thing. Um because Max Landis, um, John Landis's son, like did a um like a remake of the uh, like a shot for shot remake of the transformation scene with him in the as as uh David. Yeah, right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Cause I knew very little about these. I'd heard the titles and Somewhere in the back of my mind, I kind of assumed they were the same movie and that I just kept getting the title <laughs> wrong whenever I remembered mm. it. Um, and one of the reasons I did want to cover it for our exclusive um, fan two-film episodes, <laughs> holiday episodes that we do, was because it's there's such a pairing together. It's, it's like We'll talk about titles later, but <laughs> I think the titles are very effective in um, conveying the... the I don't know. What am I trying to say? I think they're cool titles. I guess that's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons that we got you on, Sarah, mm-hmm. is because you've got a degree in costume design. Is that correct? I do. That is correct. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Now, I know costume design isn't exactly what these movies are, are famous for. Uh, but as a costume designer, 
was there did you admire the the practical effects of the werewolves and that kind of thing was there any insight you can offer as a as someone in like the art direction world around that kind of thing i do think the practical effects were were great i mean obviously like the full werewolf that was like kind of animatronic it looked a little cheesy but that's what Mm. happens the the makeup though is amazing like uh Mm. jack's throat is terrifying like if the sex didn't earn the R rating, that earned the R rating. Like, yeah, yeah. For so, sure. so he appears as a as a zombie ghost um, to torment uh, Dave, and the first time you see him, his throat's been ripped open, and you can see his larynx and its skin like flapping around. It looks very cool. And that's one of the things they try to do in the sequel as well, but it's just not quite as good. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's also, not. they 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 use CGI in the sequel instead of practical yeah. effects, which I Bullshit. think is, is one of the reasons why it, it wasn't um, particularly favorable with critics is because the first one was this landmark of practical effects and the second one did away with that completely with not terrible early 90s CGI, you know, for the time, but still very clearly, you know, terrible for today's standards. Dated. Um, it's more, yeah, yeah. It's more a case of you shouldn't have been trying to do this in 1997. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, the real star of, of the film is the Oscar winning transformation effects by Rick Baker. So I feel like we should mm. acknowledge his name and mention his name. Yeah. yeah it, it, they say it changed the face of horror makeup in the 1980s. Um, and, uh, the Daily Telegraph stated that it was the, that American Werewolf in London is the first mainstream hit, which managed to make its gross out effects simultaneously shocking and hilarious and called the signature werewolf transformation scene stunningly ingenious with a computer, without a computer effect in sight, but also suffused with squirm inducing agony. Yes. Um, yeah. the, the Telegraph also cites an American Werewolf in London as inspiring such films as Beetlejuice, Gremlins and Evil Dead 2. The last two of which we've, co- we've the last two of which we've covered on the podcast, um, and uh, it also Edgar Wright has also said that an American Werewolf in London is a major inspiration for him, which you can see in films such as Shaun of the Dead. And yeah, stuff like that. for sure. Like the the blending of horror and comedy, I think is yeah, that's it, really good in this mm-hmm. in this film. Mm. Yeah, nice. So. Let's talk about titles because we do that a lot on this podcast, and I've already said I think they're cool. Um, and the reason I think I think they're cool is because that's this is kind of like my favorite titling convention is taking the first title and changing one word so that it's still linked. Shanghai noon, Shanghai nights, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I think it, it, I'm surprised they only made two in a way because it the format kind of opens itself up to be you know never yeah. ending almost well but it's funny because like yeah. if if they'd done it like um the same amount of time the most recent one would, would have come out in 2013 <laughs> there you go um <laughs> so when production well this, this is a fun fact when production for the original london film uh, ran into trouble with british equity john landis having scouted locations in paris considered moving the production to france and changing the title of the film to an american world from paris so that's I guess how they came up with the idea almost is they were just like, yeah, let's, <laughs> this is a, this is the backup if we can't get London. Um, so that's pretty yeah. cool. Neat. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Funky. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. I like that. Then they they sat on it for like sixteen years. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they were just like, that's a good idea. And then 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 no one did anything about it. And then sixteen years later, they're like, remember that cool idea that John Landis had? I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. That's how more sequels should be made. More sequels <laughs> should just be the the deleted draft first drafts or alternate of John drafts <laughs> of known director uh, and murderer John Landis. Is he a murderer? Yeah. What did he do? Uh, he <laughs> killed those kids on um, the uh, Twilight Zone set. I mean, it wasn't him oh, deliberately, that? but it was kind of his fault. Oh. So it's more, it's yeah. more manslaughter than... Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, mm. And then he uh, gave birth... Well, he didn't give birth to, but um, he... <laughs> um, he, Father. you know, his son... He begot. Um, his son, <laughs> he begot Max Landis. Max Landis. Isn't either the isn't also isn't one of the best people in Hollywood. No, no. Well, before we do get to that, um, we well we're actually getting to it now for our final <laughs> segment of this little mini episode, which is continue the franchise uh, where we all pitch our own sequels and stuff like that. Um, so there was a 1997 BBC radio show of the first one, like a, a remake of it. Um, and since 2009, there have been rumblings of a remake of the original film being made. And as you say, Richard, most recently, Max Landis, who's the son of John Landis, he said on Twitter in 2017 that he had finished a draft of the script with plans to direct. Um, he would have said this on Twitter mere months before several <laughs> accusations of sexual harassment came out <laughs> against him uh, and has been lying low ever since with, with nary a comment nor a, a passing <laughs> glance at make, well, remaking an American werewolf in london yeah so he because he, yeah something some stuff came out about him in 2016 and then that kind of blew over a little bit and he started sort of like you know tweeting and going on reddit like a little bit um and then it was like in june this year there was like a massive wave of like people actually like calling him a rapist and his ex-girlfriend mm. like came out and said you know all this other stuff about him because it was it was wow. like just um I think in 2016, it was just like a uh, little bit like rumors of people being like, yeah, apparently he's not the, not a great guy. But in June of this year, it was like, these are actual things he did kind of thing. Right. Shit. Interesting. Yeah. It's always the Landises. It's always the, the, <laughs> the Landises causing trouble and controversy. Uh, so who wants to go first? Who wants to pitch their sequel first? Well, I'll go first just so... So Sarah's not intimidated or scared by having to give um, hers. Appreciate um, you. So mine is uh, a miniseries or a TV series called American Werewolf. And it's mm-hmm. essentially like a... And the main character of it is the curse. And we follow it. like So each episode would be called like In London or In Paris or In Auckland. Right. Um, and yeah, it's like a globe-trotting adventure of this... Um, this like werewolf curse and so um you know maybe the main characters would be like um people investigating it kind of thing and so they're forced to like follow the these these murders that sound you know eerily similar all across the globe Mm. yeah very cool all right thank you richard sarah what is your idea uh mine is uh an American werewolf in Venice because it's two syllables mm. and Rome is not two syllables. Mm, uh, very true. And the, <laughs> I feel like there has to be a pattern in the yeah. uh, love it. The natural vein of like 
uh, werewolf stories, right? There's a, mm-hmm. a a dude, like all the other dudes, young guy going on a trip. With and his bras. Uh, he, he meets a sexy vampire chick because that's where the story oh, would go oh next, gosh. naturally, right? And then yeah. there's like a, a werewolf chick who saves him from this vampire chick, but he's already been bitten. And in, in a very underworld twist, he's suddenly both. And uh, <laughs> it's all about how the werewolves hate the vampires. And, uh, you know, it's Venice, so obviously someone has to drown. And uh, yes. Yeah. Someone has to drown in Venice. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that's a very, it feels like a very natural progression to take a werewolf story. This is one of the only werewolf stories I can think of that doesn't involve vampires at any point. Doesn't even, like, acknowledge their existence. Where it yeah, feels that's like a good point. The two should be hand in hand. Um, yeah, they, they, cool. well, they hint at, like, a larger universe, right? With, like, the, hmm. I don't know, weird visions he has and, the, like, the, the ghouls and shit. Yeah, but Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, my Continue the Franchise, guys, is based off a little throwaway line in hmm. the first film where Ooh. they, before before the wolf attacks uh, Jack and Dave, they go into a pub and they hear a, <laughs> a old English man tell a joke. And the joke is, you know, I'm... I'm approximating it here, but it's basically um, a plane's about to crash because it's too heavy, and so the Frenchman on board yells "Viva la France" and jumps out the the plane, but it's still too heavy. So the British person on board goes, um, "Was it like for the Queen or something?" and um, jumps out, but it's still too heavy. And then the American stands up and goes, "Remember the Alamo," and throws out the Mexican. So that's the joke, and so. You know, we've seen France and we've seen uh, London, the two other demographics represented, and he's American, (laughs) which is the other demographic. So let's watch An American Werewolf in Mexico City, uh, which is what is the capital (laughs) of Mexico? And I found out while you were detailing your continue the franchise, um, Sarah, I was like, wait, what is the capital of Mexico? And I looked it up and it's one of the most like... It doesn't sound good, an American werewolf in Mexico City. I think I assumed it would be like El Paso, but that's in Texas. Yeah. Well, um, you could do like an American werewolf in Tijuana. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Ooh. An American like werewolf Guadalajara. in Guadalajara. Yeah, yeah. What about in, in um, Chihuahua, which is an actual uh, Mexican oh city? Oh, my gosh. An yeah. American Chihuahua in, in London. That's it. That's my continuing <laughs> franchise. <laughs> yeah, so it's just that. It's just I thought that's a cool way to, to to take it is to to represent i mean you know you could just go wherever you want with this you an american werewolf in america werewolf. oh my god <laughs> i thought about new york then i was like that doesn't make any sense with their titling scheme yeah a british True. werewolf in new york yeah that's the other way to go right yeah. an english werewolf mm. in, in washington <laughs> in washington <laughs> what it would be. That's the capital of that's the capital of America, right, Sarah? Washington DC. Washington DC, yes. Washington State is a okay. different State. thing. It's very far away from Washington. Are they DC different? As well. Yes. Yes, Washington, Washington DC. District of Columbia is like uh it's on the eastern seaboard, whereas Washington State is on the northwestern. Yeah. Wait, so what state is DC in? It's its, its, its own, own it's, its, it's own like the Vatican, district. you know, where it's its own little thing. Really? It's its own independent yeah. city, but it's yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there's 50 states plus DC. And Puerto Rico. Oh my Rica. god. And Puerto Rico. And, you know, other. 
This is blowing my mind, guys. I was not ready for such revelations. Um, Cool. Well, that's about all we've got time for this little segment. We'll be moving on, or maybe we've moved on to this um, one. segment we haven't done, and that is when we have American guests on the podcast. I can't um, do voices. I'm real bad. Can you do a voice (laughs) right? (laughs) Can't do accents. No. What is your approximation of a New Zealand accent? <laughs> All right. What, should we give her a sentence to say, Richard? Yeah. So you can just copy <sighs> us. All right. Your sentence is, um, an American werewolf in London. An American? I can't even. I can't even. I can't even do it. I can't. Like an. Um, you were so uh, close. <laughs> so much anxiety. Like. An American werewolf in London? <laughs> that is the the worst attempt we've ever heard. That was like um. I don't even have a British accent. How am I supposed to like yeah, get the the slight dialect that, difference? <laughs> <laughs> that was almost uh, like Irish. <laughs> God, that was great. Thank you so we much, Sarah. We applaud and we're sorry for making you uncomfortable. Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for coming on, Sarah. Is there anything that you would like people to check out? Like, do you have a, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything like that? YouTube channel. Oh, sh- sh- sure. It's a uh, Maisel Mies on everything, which is M A E S O L M E S E. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> Go follow her and and tell her how good her accent work is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. See you later. Okay, bye. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, all right. Um, continue <laughs> being welcomed to the podcast as this is midway through it. Or, or. it's not because well, I don't know what yet, what order we're putting these in but Mm. um we're here we're talking about happy death day and we've got our good friend brianna with us hi everyone hi Bri. how you going i'm good how are you guys good good and i believe we've, we've also got an audience for this episode is that right we do my wife is here her name is maddie she's like the backbone of my entire life Oh, that, that is bar none the most sentimental thing that has ever been said on this podcast. Why don't you ever call Jess the backbone of your life, Richard? Because she's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm out here with no backbone and you're just like, yeah, whatever. Honestly, I don't know how single people do it. I, I've, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I've, I've sent letters to the to the commissioner of women. couples, <laughs> yeah, of women in general. Yeah. I always, uh, I always like. I loved Joker. Sorry. 
gosh. I always like to tell people that um, I have to work at 6.45 in the morning and Maddie gets up with me at 5 a.m. and makes me porridge before I go to work. Aww. And then she does the dishes and hangs out the washing. Um, and I'm just the luckiest mm. person alive. And then just, yeah, the- and then just waits for you to get home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, single, the single man version of that is I get up at midday every day and maybe I'll have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> The single life, baby. Nothing like it. All right. Happy death day. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, happy death day. So this is a duology of two films. Um, cool. That is happy death day and the brilliantly titled happy death day to you. Uh, that's two, the number two, and you, the letter U. Like U2, but backwards. Um, oh. So these well, came out in happy 2017. Happy birthday, U2. <laughs> these came out in 2017 and 2019, uh, that being this year. And... Uh, they're both directed by Christopher Landon. And so what? who wants to take the first film? Well, one of them's more complicated. Yeah. Which one do you want to do, Bree? I'll let you choose. Oh, I'll do I'll do the first one. Cool. <laughs> so a summary, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Just, it doesn't have to be too detailed. So Tree is the main character. She wakes up to her normal sorority life um, in another, well, in a man's bed in his dorm room. And then proceeds to kind of rush out and do the walk of shame and we find out that she's kind of a shitty person and then later that night she is attacked um after she sees a little music box playing happy birthday because it's her birthday and and then she's murdered and then boom she wakes up again uh same day and she keeps reliving the same day and her murder until she figures out who the murderer is and can put a stop to the murderer and the time loop yeah so it's it's groundhog day but scary yeah yeah, yeah. i wrote i wrote like groundhog day meets a slasher mm, yeah yeah groundhog day meets scream um, yeah because the, the the killer is is baby face because yes he's and it was a- made by the same guy who designed Ghostface. it was oh. Oh. Got giving you a run for your bloody money, Richard. <laughs> I um, love IMDb trivia, and I didn't know I wasn't supposed to read it. That's fine. There are no rules anymore. Yeah. When we first started doing this, it was like, "Don't look up anything, Richard." And now it's like, yeah, like if we I wanted to know who an actor was, you had to like message the other person and be like, "Yeah, can you look up who oh. this person is?" Couldn't you just watch the credits um, while watching the movie? Yeah. I guess. But that, now no, it's, you know, good, that's like... That's a good solution. Yeah. Um, also, um, it's not for every film, but um, Amazon Prime has this, like, um, annotation feature where, like, if you especially if you're watching, like, something made by Amazon Prime, if you open up the app while you're watching it, it tells you the name of every actor in that scene and, like, the song that's playing and, like, all this shit. So that <gasps> if you're, like... Wow. That's such yeah, a cool feature. It's such a good... The future good is idea. now. Um, all right, so yeah, I almost want to sign up for Amazon Prime again. <laughs> yeah, you got the boys and um, Fleabag and Good Omens. There's a few shows on there. Uh, their movie selection is real bad though, but they do. I just found out they have the first three screams, but they don't have the fourth one uh, or the TV series, which is what I was looking for. Anyway, uh, happy <laughs> death day to you, AJ. Over to you for the oh, synopsis. Okay, so it's a it's the the time loop gets broken at the end of the first film, and we see the next day and the uh, roommate of the love interest in the first film is now experiencing the same thing for himself. He's looping a day over and over, getting killed. His and name is Ryan. R- his name is Ryan. 
the, the flatmate's name. The flatmate's is, name yeah. is Ryan. The love interest is Carter. Carter. Yeah. What a great name. And there's Laurie and Danielle. Very good. I mean, I we, we now that we started this podcast, we're like, we'll memorize every character's name. We'll never refer to like actor's character. You know, we would never be like, oh. You know, That's so hard. <laughs> Jim Carrey's character and da 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 da. We were talking about Jim Carrey before as well. Jim Carrey's character and Ace Ventura. <laughs> 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 um, and anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, it is. I won't. I won't get bogged down because it's got a very dense beginning, and yeah. then then it gets very a lot more simple. Yeah. Basically, uh, Tree ends up reliving the time loop again of that original day, but now she's in a parallel dimension. Where <laughs> she skipped over and a Carter lot. aren't together, huh? You skipped over quite a lot there. Yeah, well, like, what, what, the 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 reason for the time loop in the first film was revealed as yeah, well. Okay, so it, yeah. it explains it. Yeah, there, there's a science project gone awry, a quantum yeah. physics sissy and Sisyphus, or sissy or Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah, very good. And um, so now Tree is stuck in a parallel dimension where Carter is now with Danielle instead of her, and her mum is still alive. Oh. And it becomes a yeah, becomes like a, a morality Sophie's tale choice. of what I of, totally knew yeah. where they were going with that, and I was like, "That's so mean." Mm. Yeah, mm. I um, I mean, spoilers yeah. for the end of the film. It kind of become, in my opinion, anyway. It kind of becomes like the problem of of her not having Carter could very easily go away in one dimension, but they don't really talk about that. And then she, yeah. then yeah. she just goes back to her real dimension. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did skip a lot at the start. Um, the the way the, the kind of way I came to think of it was that the first one is like a horror movie about someone who's reliving the day they die over and over again, and it's irrelevant why she's in a time loop. And then the second one is almost solely devoted to explaining the science behind it, which I actually appreciated because while something like Groundhog Day, I don't think you need to have the reason for the time loop explained to you. I think because it was someone getting murdered that started a time loop, I was like, I feel like I need to know why this is happening. Because And Groundhog Day just wakes up and it's, yeah. the, it's the previous day. And in Happy Death Day, it's she has to get killed in order to restart again. So I did appreciate that the sequel just went, yep, here's why. I mean, yeah. I really like the sequel, but I kept watching the sequel and going, well... Sure, the time loop was created by Sisyphus, but why Tree? Mm. Why, yeah, why Ryan? Like Ryan, I guess makes sense because he made so yeah, you know, he yeah. could have been exposed to something. But why Tree? Mm. And at the start of, the of Happy Death person? Day to you, when Ryan's in the time loop, um, he ge- he gets murdered by by a new baby face. So they then find out is Ryan from another timeline and i was like this is getting real weird and interesting yeah. and then it drops it completely yeah. when when she goes yeah. to the 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 parallel dimension i was like yeah but I, why why was there another ryan do do we know that the answer to that does it explain that and i just missed it well he, he's from the other the parallel universe well because there's they they say that there's six dimensions but we only see two of them Right. I remember that being a thing. And, and yeah. The, the Stranger my, my Things analysis, explanation? Yeah. My analysis of the second film is a lot of promising stuff that ultimately I feel could have gone in a, maybe a different way that it went. Yeah. It almost felt like there was more than one film seed there. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, they absolutely. were like, we got to pick one. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, generally speaking, what did you guys think of the films? 
because I, I had seen them before. I, I watched Happy Death Day at the end of last year. I think I just chucked on a random movie and then went to go see Happy Death Day to you opening night because I loved the first one. Um, and I dragged Ooh. Jess along, who um, the, the backbone, the backbone of, my life. of my life. <laughs> um, dragged her along. She hadn't seen the first one, um, but it does it does recap it at the start to be of the second one. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I I really enjoyed them. I actually think I enjoyed the second one a lot more watching it a second time as well. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember, yeah, the first one is just so much to, to me. Anyway, it's just so much fun, and then. The second one was is so much more ambitious, but um, yeah, there's they they do a lot of things really well in it that you wouldn't expect them to do that Agreed, well. Yeah, um, yeah. and they, they they have no right to to do it that well, or like well, they, it's, they, it's the only time like a time loop Groundhog Day movie and that very small collection of films. It's the only time one of them has had a sequel. I think. Yeah, like probably. when I think of other time loop movies, they usually steer clear of sequels for obvious reasons mm. and so i think for that alone it's quite an interesting film yeah but yeah what did what did you think overall brie of the films um i i really had i had a fun experience watching them because i went in completely blind i remember seeing the movie posters but mm. i didn't watch a trailer i didn't know what was going to happen mm. and i just sat down and i was like cool and it started and and I met Tree as a character and I was like, great, a shallow sorority bitch. <laughs> this will be fun. And then was pleasantly surprised. She'll never learn her lesson by the end of the arc. Of the <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I thought it was just going to be another slasher film full of dumb old tropes and stereotypes about naked women getting murdered in stupid scenarios where they never defend themselves. Mm. Yeah. But then by the Boy, end of the film- Boy, were you pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. By the end of the film, did you fall madly in love with Jessica? I did I oh, and I was surprised yeah. it started off because she looks like Blake Lively in my opinion and she's mm. I love I think Blake Lively is so beautiful um but she's super funny and I love um the scene where she walks naked through the campus mm-hmm. oh like I just love that she's like well fuck it if I'm gonna die let's have fun with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah every, what a fantastic all, every thing. movie like this has that what that one where they you know they don't they stop caring like groundhog yeah. day is full of it but yeah um yeah. yeah i feel like i can't mention i can't talk about this movie without like just stating what like an incredible like screen presence jessica roth is like mm. yeah she, she came, came out film. of nowhere kind of thing to just be like you because she is playing such a horrible character but you just fall in love with her she's just so electric on screen and yeah it's Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure because this is, you know, like a leading role, but I I hope that she kind of gets the, the because she could be, I feel like she's like the next Emma Stone kind of thing, you know, mm. that, that mm. similar kind of thing. I think it's probably actually about the same age as Emma Stone, but, um, and she's in La La Land as well. Um, yeah. But I don't remember her in La La Land, but I was like, oh yeah, my God, she's just one of her watch. friends in the like Get yeah, Ready a- song. She looks like um, the amalgamation of like, some woman I know in my life, as well as some famous woman I know about. Yeah. Like, she kind of looks like my flatmate. Like, maybe Blake Lively? Maybe Blake Lively. She kind of looks like Jenna Marbles, the YouTuber. Oh, yes. Yeah. Blake Lively meets Jenna Marbles. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so AJ, what did you think? Uh, I wasn't, um, you know, incredibly blown. I don't think I liked it as much as um, you, Richard. But it was cool. I liked it. It was fun. 
Um, I think and- that checks out, like from listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I side with Richard more than AJ <laughs> <laughs> seems to be fair. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry, right. 13 going on 30. Um, <laughs> the, the second one, as I said, I was so, when it started, I was like, hell yeah, this is so interesting. Um, and I almost. I, I almost want to say, I, I don't think I do like it more. I don't know if I have a favorite because the first one's just so simple and clean. And then the second one is so experimental and takes risks and does some really interesting stuff that, as we said, is kind of kind of feels like a mixed bag of ideas as opposed to one clear idea. But mm. whatever that I, those ideas are, you know, on their own are almost worth making the sequel. That's kind of... It- it sort of makes sense that it would be a mixed bag of ideas because it's a mixed bag of timelines and dimensions mm. and like one character from a different dimension. And I think because by the time they got to the dimension swapping, it was like that was maybe the third or fourth wrinkle that that added. Mm. And I was like, yeah, keep giving wrinkles, like keep changing. Like I want I when it when she got to the other dimension, I was like on board and I was like, I want this movie to get fucking weird. Like yeah. I want this to go to the most insane places and then it kind of just stayed in that zone for the rest of it it did but it was really interesting to build more on that because i think the now it it, you talk a lot on the podcast about in sequels like the natural (laughs) next stage for Mm -hmm. characters yeah um and her being faced with the presence of meeting her mom, like the option of meeting Very her mom, cool. yeah. um, is definitely a really interesting place to take it considering yeah. it's time loopy and now we're talking about time loops and dimensions. So yeah. putting that in there and having her have to decide between one future and one past mm. is a super fascinating it's, conundrum. It's good yeah, stuff. That, it really, good stuff, yeah. um, it changed genres for me. Like yeah. the second, yeah. the, like you were saying, the first movie is a horror movie in this kind of sci-fi Subgenre, and yeah. then the second movie is like a comedy drama. Well, I wouldn't even call. I would. I would put in. sci-fi on the second one, but not at all on the first one, because she could be reliving that day for a spiritual reason. You know, they don't. They don't okay, tell you at yeah. all. And so the first one's like Groundhog Day if it's a horror movie, and then the second one's like a sci-fi, not even really horror. Um, yeah, but they're, they're yeah, both very like cool. There's like three murdery scenes. Mm, yeah, 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 I um, there's the the this in the second one when she's at dinner uh, at lunch with her dad. And then her mum shows up. They were sitting in the cinema. I was like, fuck yes. This is like <laughs> the best way to take this. Because in the first one, the death of her mum is kind of just used um, to give reason to her strained relationship with her dad. Because yeah, the, the yeah. phone yeah. call she keeps getting, which wakes her up every morning, is from her dad. And she ignores it almost every loop. Um But yeah, and then, she, and then it's, you know, kind of a reference that her mum's not there anymore. But um yeah, it's such an interesting subplot to the film and it adds this whole, because, you know, the the first one is like, num- number one, it's like a Groundhog Day time loop film. Number two, it's a slasher film. And then number three, it's like a rom-com of her and Carter. Mm. And then the second one now replaces that like rom-com love story with this like mother-daughter love story. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's got this surprising amount of heart and it's, it gives Jessica Roth a lot more um a lot more to do like acting wise there's, yeah. there's a lot like yeah. heavier and like deepest i mean you know it's one thing to to scream for your life every few seconds but um yeah that like when she sees her mom that reaction shot of her was, i thought that was great 
Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I really liked that. Like the the movies, both of them are really cleverly written. I was taking notes while I was watching them and I kept asking questions and I and then the movie kept answering the questions yeah. that I was asking. Like in the first movie when um, there's a scene where the she bars herself in. I was like, fuck yeah, fight back, bar yourself in your room. Yeah. And then the killer's in the room. I was like, you're, you're telling me a serial killer stalker was in her room mm. for like presumably four or five hours and she didn't notice. And then you find out who the killer is and it's yeah. like, Nope. Yep. That checks out. Yeah, and yeah. it does. It does pull. It kind of has a red herring where you think the killer is this escaped convict, and then you find out it's her roommate. Who's, well, it is the who, escaped like, convict, I, but and she I, was yeah. leading him out. Yeah. Yeah, her roommate was leading her out because her roommate's jealous of her. I think it's not. It's never the escaped convict. The escaped convict only ever attacks her when she confronts him right. as the escaped convict. Every other time, it's glory. Right. Okay, maybe. I don't remember well enough. Because it doesn't make sense for anyone else to be stalking her at school and know where she's going to be. And also that it's her birthday. Because when when she's at the hospital and then gets away in the car and then gets blown up, it's with the birthday candle. So Mm. that doesn't make sense Mm. for him to be doing it. It makes sense for Lori to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is very brave of the movie to fully commit to making you think that the villain is a Deus Ex Machina for a long time. Like mm. I, like I, I got to the point where I was like, I guess it's just a, a random, yeah. out of the blue character who's the killer. All right. I was almost pissed because yeah. I was like, if they end the movie this way, fuck it, it's a dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. They ruined yeah. something really good. Yeah. Um, and then she wakes up again, and I was like, "Yes, yeah, let's yeah. let's see where it's taking us now." Yeah, yeah, oh, that's so good. So, um, what do you guys reckon has a Rotten Tomatoes? Brown, I feel like you may have already looked it up. Um, I have as well. So we're all just not talking about it now. All right, well, I don't, I don't really remember, but I, I remember thinking it. The audience score was lower than the other than the yeah, critic score. Yeah, I was are. like, I haven't written down the audience <laughs> scores, but um, but they are. I'm pretty sure. Um, well, so the first one is seventy one percent. And then the second one has the funniest number of all, uh, 69%. <laughs> Hell yeah. Shaka. Hell yeah. Minute of silence for that number. I feel like the second one will have a lower score, mostly because people will have watched the first one, expected a horror, and then I, got yeah. a I watched, I watched both of them with my friend, and he hated the second one. Well, He yeah. was like, I hate this. He, he liked the first one fine, but... Yeah, that's um, where you got to go in blind. Like I was going into the second film expecting it to be around different characters who mm, are experiencing the same mm, thing, mm. Um, and it's so much more interesting that it's the same characters. Yeah, yeah I, I think because because it was one of those films that I knew it had a sequel coming for a long time, and that they held the trailer really late. I think for this, like, so the plot of the film or like how it was going to work wasn't clear at all for the longest time, and um. Yeah, that was one of the things I was just so interested about, being like, how the hell are they going to do a sequel? Because they confirmed it's like time loop again and, and the star is returning and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I was just amazed at, at how, at, um, yeah, just, just like how well, how cleverly it managed to do something new, but also give you more of what you loved about the first one. Mm. Mm. The, um, the, the, is would did they plan to make a se- a sequel from the get go? Because the way that they move into each other, it almost feels like I was watching like the second season of a show as opposed to like a sequel to a a movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't well, know how to quite articulate that, but it, it was um yeah the sequel was always planned, and we'll and we'll talk about that a little bit more, and when we get to continue the franchise. Um, but uh, a couple of things that you know weren't always planned. Um, interestingly, um, there was uh, an original ending to this film. Um, yes, there was. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, what actually happened uh, in the film's original ending, Tree is taken to the hospital after her encounter with Laurie. The doctor instructs Tree to stay away from pain medication for at least a day due to the extent of her injuries. After he leaves, uh, a nurse comes in and says she's giving Tree something for the pain. Tree informs the nurse of the doctor's orders. The, do- the nurse reveals herself to be Dr. Butler's wife, Stephanie. So that's the wife of the like tutor that mm. she was sleeping with. Um uh-huh. Who says it is for her own pain? Um, she then murders Tree in revenge for her husband's affair with the girl. Um, this version was shown to test, uh, shown in the test screenings for the film, and was received negatively by the audience, which led to the writers um, to come out with a theatrical ending. Um, so, uh, Christopher Landon. She also gets thrown into a new time loop. Yes. In the alternate ending. Really? That, yeah. That's not what I had. Uh, not what I saw written down. But oh my goodness! Sure. I don't know who to believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, they also, um, yeah, that was received neg- negatively by the audience. Um, mm. And then and they came with a poisoned cupcake. But um, interestingly, and I'm sure you know this as well, Brie, but you might not, AJ. Um, but this film was announced in 2007. Um, wow. Yeah, 10 years earlier. Um, it was called Half to Death. Uh, it was going to be produced by Platinum Dunes, which is the Michael Bay production company that made all the... Um, like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street reboots. Um, it was going to star Megan Fox. Um, yes, I knew that. 2007 <laughs> Megan Fox. I'm glad yeah. they picked yeah. someone else. Um, and this was the, they actually released a uh, synopsis for the film in 2007. So this is what it, what it said. And uh, let's see together if it's changed since then. So a young college freshman named Teresa is troubled when she discovers she is living the same day over and over again. One that starts out innocently enough, but always ends with her brutal murder by an unknown attacker. Could the murder could the murderer said murder could the murderer be her boyfriend Gregory, who was also sleeping with Teresa's roommate Laurie, or could it be Laurie, who is ferociously envious that Gregory might like Teresa more? Maybe it's one of Teresa's classmates unable to get her attention. Perhaps it's one of her professors who cannot consummate their passion for their top for her top student uh, for his top student, um, or perhaps it's some secret skull and bones type society who picked Teresa for no good reason to be their ritualistic sacrifice it's just like single white female meets groundhog day meets captivity and certain to be just as terrifying okay mm. i like that it re- described being stuck in a time loop as something that would be troubling <laughs> it's like I, or a, a fate worse than death but troubling works as well you know mm. <laughs> yeah uh one a uh, couple of interesting things as well so um brie said you hadn't seen any trailers but AJ, I know you and I had both seen the trailer, and because the trailer like famously uses Fifty Cent's "In the Club" um, yes. as the ringtone, like "Go Go Go, Shardy, it's your birthday." Um, and whereas they in the movie, get- the ringtone is like "Hey, it's your birthday," and now you gotta yeah. pick up the phone, and it's like this original birthday themed ringtone. But uh, yeah, the film couldn't actually afford "In the Club," and I remember that being like, I bet he regrets that now. No, so well, he's, he said he, yeah, they probably, you know, he wouldn't have had control over putting that in the trailer, but he said he prefers the one in the film anyway. Hmm. Um, but then the trailer for the sequel uses Into Club again. It is. What annoys me about that is that the, I saw the trailer for the first film and I just loved how they made the dun, dun, 
dun, dun, like from in the club seemed so ominous and creepy. It was like a spin on the creepy version of a pop song from all the trailers. Yeah. And I was like on board because of that. Now I want to watch it, the trailer. It's, it's real cool. Mm. It, so it makes in the club a scary song. Sort of like how Us made yeah, Five, uh, yeah, I got five. Yeah, a scary yeah. song. Yeah. Hmm. So that's... um. That's more or less the the films. Uh, there is one piece of dumb IMDb trivia. Do you know both Happy Death Day to You and Clerks 2 are sequels in which a character confuses Helen Keller for Anne Frank out loud as a joke? I do that all the time. <laughs> and my life is a, is a series of continually diminishing return sequels. I thought that there was, um, I thought that this particular IMDb trivia was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually two of them, and it seems like one is answering the other. So, in Tree's supposed last loop, where she fixes everything, including her relationship with her roommate, Lori, it is hinted that she is actually the killer, because that is the only time she chooses not to give Tree the poison cupcake after Tree has apologized. This also reveals that all Lori needed was an apology. And then the next trivia item is... <laughs> In Tree's supposed last loot where she fixes everything, including her relationship with her roommate, Lori does not give her the cupcake. She may have been disoriented from Tree's apology because she later releases John Toombs from his restraints, who then goes on to attack Tree as before. This does not reveal that all Lori needed was an apology. She's still a psychopath. <laughs> such a, the first one you read, the, the second one I'll give a little bit more leeway to, but the first one is just someone who hasn't seen the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's someone describing that scene like they haven't seen the end of the movie yet. That's so funny. <laughs> what I a read, good find. I read that and I almost thought it was the same one repeated. Yeah, and then yeah. I got to the end and I was like, oh, shade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I forgot to mention this when we're talking about what, which one we liked more or what we thought of them. Um, while I'm, I'm conflicted on the second one, it does have the best scene in both films, uh, which is the hard times montage of mm. Tree killing herself over and over again. Yeah, that that's so delivering on the film's pre- premise kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so good. I rewatched it on YouTube today just because it's so fun, and I love that song. That's like the best song, and the lyrics like apply to her life as well because she's yeah. like, "All I want is to wake up fine," and then later she's like, um, "I don't know, it's something about hitting the ground." Yeah, no, when that I was hit intentional. the ground, and she jumps off the. And apparently, the, thing. the some of the scenes reference the music video of the song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was this made for the movie. No, mm. no, but the no. um, yeah, no, the the music video it. is quite similar. It has like electrocution and shit true, like that. yes. So time to continue the franchise. So hooray! Um, there is um Christopher Landon, the director, um, in an interview with EW just before Happy Death Day to You, uh, he confirmed plans for a third film. He said he always imagined this as a trilogy. So that's answering a question from before. Uh, he mm-hmm. went on to describe his idea for Happy Death Day three. As really bonkers and fun, he mentioned that Happy Death Day to You includes a credit scene that offers a big tease of where the franchise could go next. Um, The quote is, oh God, (laughs) well, I mean, there's a big clue already in Happy Death Day to You. There's an end credit sequence, so people stick around, they'll see that, but beyond that, mum's the word right now. Um, So yeah, there's a post-credit, a mid-credit scene where essentially uh, like the government come to the campus and like, we know about this, we want to test things on it so um we need to volunteer we need to put someone in a time loop to run experiments on them and um so they're like oh i know who we can get so they get uh danielle who's um, (laughs) the like (laughs) did you not see it or you just i didn't i didn't know that it wasn't in the um 
DVD you obtained legally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they um yeah, so they put Danielle on a time loop and it ends with her screaming. Um, Which can I can I go on a tangent here? Yeah. Based off that. The the writers of Happy Death Day to you do not know what to do with Danielle as a character. Yeah, hard out. She, is she the is she, like the the big kind of conflict is that now she's dating Carter in the in the alternate dimension, and I I kind of liked the idea that she's really nice because she's a bitch and the really nice but really dumb. Yeah, yeah, and she's a bit she's she's like a bad person in the original, and in this new dimension, she's really nice. Um, then you find out three quarters of the way through the movie that in this dimension she's actually cheating on Carter, and Tree finds this out. Does nothing with the information, doesn't tell Carter, doesn't reveal anything. And then they get Danielle as if she's a completely different character and occupies a completely different part of the story to fake being a French blind person to distract the dean of the school so they can steal the Sisyphus (laughs) machine back. And then the tree goes back to her dimension again, doesn't tell this dimension's Carter that... um, that uh, Danielle is cheating on him, but they do kiss, meaning that he's cheating on Danielle now as she like transports back to the other dimension, which as a kind of hinted at at the start, like if she tells him that Danielle's cheating on him, then this is the perfect dimension because your mum's alive and you've got <laughs> your boyfriend. Um, but they don't go there at all. They don't even acknowledge it. And then at the end, I, I get that it's the other dimensions, Danielle, that they trap in a time loop. But I was like, holy shit, she's not that bad. She's not been that much of a villain to these movies. And in the other dimension, she did help you. Yeah, she yeah she does this big... Yeah, the, the cheating thing is weird. It's like just like... Because throwing in a scene like that is such like a tech, like surgical, methodical way to be like, you're not supposed to like this character. You know, yeah. like it's it's just ticking up. It's, it's, it's the reverse of saving it's, the cat. It's killing the cat. Yeah. And so... They, yeah, they should have just left her, like, left left them together in that dimension, but then done more to establish what Danielle had done wrong in dimension one yeah. to, to deserve being put in a time loop. Because, yeah, I thought it yeah. was very, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, dimension two Danielle almost needed to be, like, the nicest person in the world for the the conflict that she has to choose between being with Carter or being with her mum for that to actually hold any weight because sure. she's not a nice person in dimension two. It's like, well, you could probably steal Carter away from, from her if you tried. Yeah. And their relationship never seems sound anyway between Danielle and Carter, because mm. it's kind of hinted at that Danielle is just using Carter for his brains. Cause yeah. she's dumb and Again, can't pass her classes. Make her really nice in the other dimension. That's yeah. a great idea. They should have just gone with that. This is a strange part of the movie. Yeah. I think it's hard because I really liked her as a main girl in the first film. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, but exactly. They should have doubled down how mean she is in the first one. Because I didn't even think she was that bad in the first one. She She's, makes fun of a deaf person. She, she what? <laughs> she makes fun of a deaf person's accent. Sure, like- but she's she's like a sassy best friend. She's not a, she's not the villain of the story. And then in the no. second okay. one, they should have polar done the polar opposite of that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, anyway, the film came out this year in February, and in March, and it, it un- I'll say unperform- underperformed at the box office. It made like twenty eight million on a nine million dollar budget, or something like that. So, not great numbers, but it still did better than you know its budget. Um, but uh, Jason Blum of Blumhouse um, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted in March Q and A. 
Um, you know, <laughs> question and answers. Oh. Um, and so if you ask him a question, he'll give you the answer. And then Jeff the Movie Man, hashtag Time's Up for Brian Singer, said, how likely is it we'll get a Happy Death Day 3? And he said, not very, but not impossible. Um, because apparently Jason Blum is famous for being kind of a dick about like, well, didn't do well, so pfft, fuck you, yeah. you don't get your third one. I think the same thing happened with Sinister, I think is the other one. I've heard mm. that Sinister 2 didn't do well and this this planned trilogy. They're just like he's just like, well, fuck, you can't get it then. Um yeah. and then in June Good. No, I'm just kidding. In June, Christopher Landon tweeted, Since I keep reading stuff about it, I'll say it out loud. There is no happy death day three in development. It is just a rumor, unless at Netflix wants to pony up and finish this trilogy, it just ain't happening. And then oh, damn. in uh August 2019, so just a couple months ago, he stated he had an outline written for the third film and uh, he believed he will share it eventually in some medium. Um, he said he's, he's not like just going around being like, this is what would have happened in the third one because he does still hold on a little bit of hope. Sounds um, like it's going to be a, a graphic novel that no one will read. Fuck yeah, I'm going to mm. read that. <laughs> no one will read I kind of I'm always worried if they do a third one though because the third one could be really bad I mean the second one's not that amazing I don't know I, well, I'm, I again if I can encroach into my continue the franchise first because it's the le- it'll be the least thought out of any of these because oh, you I could probably give you a run for your money mate the, the director and writer just said what I would do which is yeah make it bonkers Okay. Take me to a place where the time loop is one like facet of a larger, weirder idea and story. I don't have any more ideas than that. I just want to see it get what? as fucking weird as I thought the second one was going to be. We have to get a title from you, right? Well, I know you came up with a title and I know what it is and I want you to tell okay. everyone. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> well, my sequel <laughs> is called Happy Death Day to Me, um, but the E... Is a three. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so that's <laughs> pretty much all I have. <laughs> um, so between us, AJ, we have an idea. Um, no, well, I was thinking about like different ways to to do it because there's the obvious, like, I mean, I say obvious, but like the way to developing based on where the mid credit scene leaves us with Danielle somehow in the time loop. Um, but then even then I'm like, well, where does the film actually go from there? Um, I mm. thought about potentially somehow either making Tree the killer or have the killer be the person uh, having living the time loop. Yeah. And then that's like, you know, Happy Death Day to me. Um, but yeah, I feel like Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to you, Happy Death Day to me are like good titles. Absolutely, dude. Um, I'm proud of you. Thank you, man. You're the backbone of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Bria's laughing. I want to confirm that for all all people who are just listening to this. If you were just stone cold silent, I would have just been like, "Ah, anyway, uh, next franchise. Uh, All right, Bri. Lay it on us. Okay, so I don't have a title except for that. If you if they make yours, mm. then they can make mine and call it for he's a jolly good fellow. And um, <laughs> then it would be a four. So then there'd be a it'd be a, it would be a mm-hmm. saga instead of uh, a trilogy. Mm. Um, but mine is that there's like a retired police officer in one of the dimensions where they blame tombs for Tree's death. 
mm-hmm. and and for all of the other associated deaths, whether or not Tree is alive, yeah, is irrelevant to the story. But the significant thing is that he he. Um, starts investigating the murder because he doesn't suspect that it's tombs. He says there's too many things that are strange about her death. Like, what, how did he get the mask? Who set him free? He's asking those questions and no one else is. And so he starts investigating and dies as a result of that and gets stuck in a time loop where he's mm. now trying to solve the murder, the real murderer, and it could be someone else because it's a different dimension. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh, we probably need to wrap this up. Yeah, we do. You- um, one thing yeah. that um, I'll get... Two birds with one stone, Brie. Um, yes. When we get on guests who aren't from New Zealand, uh, we like to get them to do a New Zealand accent. So can you wrap us up in what I'm sure is going to be the best New Zealand accent we've heard from someone <laughs> because you slip into it randomly anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> It started out pretty good. Yeah. As soon as you got to your E's, it was like, oh. I know that you guys go like read and get and you like don't. Read. Read. I Um, do go like that. But no, no was the first. No. 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 That was the first word I really learned in Kiwi because I was like, Maddie, you say no weird. No. It's no. With the W. All right. Well, thank you, Brie, for coming on. Thank Thank you so much for having me. It's like a dream come true. Oh, stop. I love you guys' podcast. You're the backbone of this podcast. Uh, do, you, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we um, send you off? Yeah. So my wife and I are starting a podcast. Um, it launches December 1st. It's called Chapter One, Take Two. And it's a podcast where we review movies that are based on books. Very cool. Mm. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. We'll we'll share it on our socials. Maybe we can do a crossover. Ooh, okay, mm. now it's just, this is a crossover. AJ will have to read some books. Ah, okay. <laughs> ah, no, thank you. Okay, <laughs> well, thank you for the offer. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to our freaky fan fiasco episode of Film Franchise Fortnite. Uh, it's just AJ here. Uh, Richard, um, he, he's currently in Japan and cannot record an outro for this episode because we forgot to do it before he left. Because if we've learnt one thing this Halloween season, it's that the scariest thing of all is poor timing skills and poor scheduling skills. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening. As I said, uh, we will tell you what our next franchise is in just a moment. But if you did like this, please head on over to Cold Pop Show on all our social media platforms, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Acast, iTunes, uh, wherever we are. Go over there and follow slash subscribe slash like us, please. And also leave a five-star review on iTunes if you can. That would be really helpful. Um, you can check us out on Patreon if you want to support the show at www.patreon.com slash Popsha. Or you can send us an email and tell us what you thought of the six movies we covered in this episode um, at coldpopshamedia at gmail.com. 
so check that out. So next week, we'll probably just be doing a casual Q&A thing since Richard will be recording from Japan. Um, but the week after for film franchise Fortnites, we've got a very special guest and we're going to be doing an episode on the two movies in the Sex and the City franchise, which if you know... Depending on how much you know about the Little Empire podcast network, uh, that will mean something to you, and you might even be able to guess who the guest is. Um, so yeah, that'll be out in a fortnight. That's our next episode. And while we're on the topic of Little Empire podcast, why don't I go over to the Facebook group for Little Empire podcast pals and join that group and jump in on the conversation about all the wonderful podcasts on the network. But until next time, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you have a very spooky Halloween. Ah, blah 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 blah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.